0: Well, the passage that we're looking at today, it's sort of a continuation of something that Jesus had just said to his disciples. If you have a Bible, you can just flip one page back in chapter 20. Uh, Jesus says to the disciples, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and that word Gentiles is like ethnos, It's, it's basically everyone other than the race of uh, the Jewish race and Israel. So, so basically, the whole world, he says. Uh, other than it's, it's sort of that's the way they took it. then Israel, it says they're a great men. They they lord over them. They're a great men. Exercise authority over them. And he says it is not this way among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you. Shall be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many so it 's a something he 's already stated, and now he 's sort of clarifying since he started that with them of like here 's what 's most obvious if you look at the world around you he 's saying whatever it is that you see is obvious in your situation in the world around us. It actually is the same situation within Israel. And so now he gives this example and he brings up the scribes and and the Pharisees. And who a scribe was in their culture was someone who was seeking to understand what was right by looking at what the Bible has to say. And, And so people viewed them and they viewed themselves as the person who understands what the bible has to say more than anyone else but but the reason why they're going there is because they believe the bible uh tells us what is right and and so what they're really saying is is within our culture i'm the person who understands what what uh what's good to do I, i i know what's good to do and then the pharisees were the people that took the most literal, strict interpretation of what they thought the Bible had to say. And their point was, amongst everybody in our culture, I'm the person who, if you're to look at me, I do what is good. So there's these two concepts, and he's not just saying it about Israel, and he's not just saying it about the Bible, but he's already started the conversation with his disciples in terms of, just in general, what humanity thinks. And it doesn't change when you're in the church or if you're following God. It's the same problem. And the problem is, defined by those two words, scribe and Pharisee, the problem is we rule over people or we make decisions based on this is what the right thing is to do and this is what I do. I do the right thing. Those two things. I know what the right thing is and I do the right thing. And then he says they've seated themselves on the seat of Moses. Uh, the seat of Moses could be a lot of things, but but e- even if it is a seat, some people say in the synagogue, the the purpose is seen in Moses, the label that's put on it. And when Moses would sit down to judge the people, and that idea of sitting down to judge the people is seen throughout the the Old Testament, and even Paul refers to it. But it's this idea of making a decision between people. And so what he's saying is, is, look, we think that authority needs to be about knowing what the right thing is to do and doing it. And when we encounter troubles or problems, or we're trying to figure out a direction, like how we should go, maybe we should do this, we think about it, just sort of our natural tendency is to think about it in terms of what's the right thing to do And then I just need to do that. So, you know, we oftentimes go to advice for people. And what we're going to when we go to people for advice is we're going for, here's this person. I think they might know what the right thing is to do. And then, and they're doing it. So then I should do it. And so Jesus is pointing out that there's some inherent flaws in that way of thinking. And so it's not just about Israel, it's not just about us as a nation, it's about humanity. There's some inherent flaws in going about thinking that we need to be ruled by this idea of, here's what is right, and I need to do what is right. And the first problem that he brings up with this is to say, they seated themselves in the seat of Moses. (laughs) In other words, this wasn't something that God did, they sat themselves, and this is different than with Moses. When Moses sat himself on that, here's what is right, and and then do it, the end result was he ended up murdering a guy. But when God called him, God didn't call him on the basis of him knowing what was right and doing it, Moses didn't even want to go at that point it was just that God chose him for that and God never described Moses as knowing what was right and doing it in fact the example we have of Moses is that if anyone would have known what God wanted to say it would have been Moses and yet God said speak to the rock he struck the rock and that barred him from entering into the promised land the example that there is not one where Moses knew what was right, and did what was right. The only thing that is said of Moses is that he was a very humble man, the most humble person on earth at that time. And that's where Jesus is leading with this, is we put into the equation that what we're looking for, what we're desiring to have, or what we think will make things work, is this idea of knowing what is right and doing it. But that doesn't fit with Moses. That's not what God is giving us with that seed. The only thing that could be said of Moses is that he lowered himself. He he chose to be with his brothers and sisters of Israel, and, and he accomplished that being with them by lowering himself, which is where Jesus is going. Now, the first problem with this idea that we're going to rule over or that our decisions or our life or our country is ruled over. It's best to have it ruled over by this dynamic of knowing what is right and doing what is right. The first is, is that they put themselves there. Uh, In other words, when we say what is right, even when it's the case of they're talking about the Bible and they're taking the most literal view possible of the Bible, Even in the case of looking at the Bible, it's still basically, they put themselves there. It's just, it's subjective. In other words, they think they know what God is saying, and they think they are doing what God is doing, but they're completely overlooking the point of everything that was said earlier was to point to Jesus, and they've completely missed it. So whenever we say, I know what what good to do is, or I go to someone, say, you know jesus says basically you shouldn't be calling people pastors maybe or leaders or something people come to me all the time and say you know what should i do in this situation i hesitate to say anything because all i'm saying is just giving my opinion which may or may not have any bearing on the truth whenever we talk about the first problem that's there is even when we're looking at something like moses did he actually hearing the words of god speaking to god face to face as a man speaks to a friend He still thought that the right thing to do was to hit the rock rather than to speak to it. We we constantly are flawed by it seems good to us. And the problem with it seeming good to us is that we're phrasing it as though our thoughts are somehow connected to something that actually is the case. This is good. But it's not connected to that even when we think it is. It's just connected to what I think, the way that I see things, and the problem with it being connected to the way that I see things is this. Jesus says, look, do everything they tell you to do, but don't do their works because here's what's really happening here, is they're not speaking for me. They're just telling people to do things But they're not going to do it themselves. In other words, they're not holding people to the same standard that they're holding everyone else to. They're not holding themselves to the same standard that they're holding everyone else to. Now, what he's talking about is for them their justice system. And what he's basically saying to them is look, your justice system isn't just. And the reason why it's not just is because it's based on things that people say are right, but that's really just about them putting themselves as ruler over. And when they do that, they're putting expectations on people. They're putting, um, they're judging things in such a way so that they're not holding themselves to the same standard as everybody else. And Jesus starts to give some examples for them, but he, he really doesn't give much. What, what he's saying is, is, look, judge for yourselves whether you think this is true. Are those who are in power, are they holding themselves to the same standard as they hold everyone else? Like, for instance, if, uh, you know, you see this type of thing all the time, a, a police officer will roll through a stop sign. No one's going to give that person, a t- that police officer, a ticket. It's not like his other officers are sitting over there. The traffic officer is going to come give that person a ticket. But if I was to do it, a- at least in Berkeley, I- I'm pretty 100% sure I'd get a ticket or pulled over or something. And that's a silly thing. But what he's saying is, are the people in authority? Look around you. Do you think? that they're holding themselves to the same standard that they're holding everyone else to? They're not. And he's not talking about government because that's just the way it is. He's talking about people, all of us, that we try to frame things as though we're just talking about truth and we're just trying to do what's right, but we think about that in a way where we put ourselves as being right. We, we don't put someone else's as, as being right. We frame things in the way that, that the way that I think, the way that I feel is what's right. And, and even when we do that, we lay things out in such a way that, that we don't even live up to our own standards. We, we don't hold ourselves accountable to what it is we're accusing someone else of. And so the result of that is that we just end up oppressing people. We go into things framing it as though this is about justice or this is about me knowing what's right, this is about me doing what's right, but we end up doing what Moses did when he did that, just killing people. Or we end up, as Jesus says here, just oppressing people putting burdens on them that that we aren't going to be able to bear either if it was put on us that way. And the reason why he's saying this is he's not saying it to say those people in power are bad, because he's saying we all do this. He's just saying stop taking so much hope in the idea that we're going to figure out what's right and, and do it. And start looking for a different kind of hope. And that leads into this next section. He says, They tie up heavy birds and lay themselves on people's shoulders, but they themselves are unwilling to move them with so much as a finger. But they do all their deeds to be noticed by people. They broaden their phylacteries and lengthen the tassels on their garments. That sounds like a funny cultural thing uh, for them. But what it was, was there were certain passages in the, the books that Moses wrote that, that talked about, look, when you come out of the land, I, I want you to remember the salvation that I gave you. And I want you to bind it on your head, bind it on your form. In other words, keep it close to your heart. And it wasn't, there's no indication throughout the entire Bible that Elijah did this literally or that you know Moses did this literally or that King David or King Saul any of the people you know did this literally but it's perfectly fine to do it literally the pharisees did it literally there's no indication that Jesus did it literally it's perfectly fine to do it literally but even amongst those who were doing it literally they were missing the point because the point of this was not an example of someone knowing the right thing and doing it. The example that God was telling them to remember was that they were saved by God's graciousness. And when they were saved, God brought them out of Israel by this terrible plague where the angel of death was unleashed and and told that he could take the firstborn, the future in their culture, and, and kill it. And when the angel of death came, it had every right to take it from everyone in Israel too. But God said, kill a lamb, put the blood on the doorpost. And that sounds weird, but what it was meant to symbolize to them was that there would be, I'm writing a check, and I'll pay it later. That the reason why you have what you have is not because you've done knowing what was right, and you've done what was right, but because I'm paying the price for you, because you don't deserve it. It was pointing to Jesus, and they completely missed that. See, when we get in this mode of taking that seat and thinking that seat is about, I need to know what the right thing is to do and and do it, it creates this oppressiveness We become part to just this oppression on people and put weights on people that that they can't bear, that we couldn't bear either if we were to actually bear it. And and we start thinking that the good that we're giving out to everybody comes in them seeing my example. You know, I am the example of what it means to follow God. I'm the example of someone who knows what it's right to do and going out and doing it. Jesus is saying, look, when we get to that point of thinking that this is example, all our example is doing is just oppressing people. You know, I remember growing up, you know, bless my daddy, uh, he'd just say this one thing to me all the time. And i got to give it to him, even though it's a funny generalization that every parent kind of thinks, and now we sort of joke about it in general because people do it all the time. But he would just say this to me all the time. Do as I say, not as I do. (laughs) Why? (laughs) Because he knew. He was holding on to some sort of hope that over the course of time he's gathered some sort of accumulation that he might know, like, look, you really should be like, here's the typical thing. Uh, You shouldn't be fighting with people. Yet almost every time I saw him, he was in some sort of brawl with someone. you would go down the street, get out of the car, in some sort of fight with someone. But he was constantly saying, look, come back from that situation. You need to do what I say, not as I do. He was trying to release me from the fact that he knew his example was just completely corrupted. He was never ending up doing what he felt like he knew. He knew that there was a disconnect there. What Jesus is saying is, look, when we're in a situation with people or when we're looking at the world around us and we're looking for hope and we're looking for a way out, don't fall into the trap uh, of thinking that the way out or the way forward or the way for me to think about it is for me to sit there and think about what's right. Because when I sit there and think, like if Karen and I get in an argument and I sit there and I think about what's right, it's always going to be shifted towards me. (laughs) And, And whatever it is I think she needs to do or when I'm in an argument with someone else, whatever it is I think they need to do, I don't realize this, but the truth is, I'm probably holding them to a standard that I'm not actually even living up to myself. And I'm not holding myself accountable in the same way that I'm trying to hold them. And I'm holding myself up as this example of what's... Our, and, and when we do that, he says, it's not helping. It's not moving us in a good direction. It's moving us in a murderous direction. It's moving us in an oppressive direction. And he's urging them, look, don't don't go down that road. There's another option. And here's the option that he says uh, God puts before us. He says, don't be called rabbi. For one is your teacher or rabbi, and you are all brothers. What's he saying there? He's saying, look, we think of things when we're thinking about here's the right thing to do and I need to do it and I'm the example of that. It's self-serving, we're not holding ourselves, we just have this tendency to do that and it ends up just being oppressive and and so but what we're doing is we're thinking that some sort of good is gonna come by creating this separation and trying to prove that there's this separation. I'm right, you're wrong. I'm doing what's right, you're doing what's wrong. I'm sort of an example of the way that we need to go and you're not we're, we're we're thinking of it in those terms but he says there's another way stop stop doing that don't do that start thinking about it in a way that brings us all together now one time people brought an adulterous woman before Jesus and said the law says we need to kill her they didn't bring the man they brought the woman Jesus says, well, whoever is without sin, throw the first stone. What did Jesus just do there? Everyone just walked away. The woman was left. He lifts the woman up and encourages her, which we'll get to. But he says, instead of trying to justify this, I'm right, you're wrong, let's just find common. And if the commonality is we're all wrong, let's grab that. If the commonality is people come to him and say, good teacher, you're up here. They don't think of him as God. They're just thinking of him as a person. There's people that are good up here that teach us and are our guide. And Jesus says, what? There's no one up here except God. We're all here. There's none righteous. No, not one. You see what Jesus is saying? Is we keep trying to find some sort of good and here's the right thing to do here we need to do it and here's the example but he says there is no example other than God do not call anyone on earth your father for one is your father in heaven and amongst us there's not really a dime's worth of difference but there is something there amongst us that he says we're brothers, sisters. There's some sort of bond he's getting at there that we find. If we can find that, then maybe that's a better way of solving that problem. Maybe that's a better way. Maybe finding something that we have in common is a better way of looking at it than, than finding what we think we're right and the others are wrong. He says, do not be called leaders or guides, for one is your leader, that is Christ. Now, he's talking about himself, Jesus, but he's talking about the title of him as the Savior. He's saying, is, there's, yeah, we've got God, we've got Jesus to look at, because they do know what's right, and they have been doing it, and that's not the case with any of us. But what we really should be looking at, that's the only thing that's going to be helpful, that is what the phylacteries and the tassels were meant to look at, that what the only example that's good to look at is how is it that we're being saved? What's the salvation that's being offered to us? Because the salvation that is being offered to us is not one where we know what is right and we do it. The salvation that is being offered to us is one of forgiveness. And he says, but the greatest among you shall be your servant. Well, what he's getting at there is he says, the one willing to be sort of bonded with some. Well, what's he getting at with that? The best example I could think of is Karen and I, I mean, we're married, you know, but the marriage certificate or that, that's sort of, you know, it's a start, you know. But, but. But what it really is, is that we're we our lives are sort of bonded together. We've been together now for almost 30 years. And we've had like six kids together, and we've been so on top. Our lives have been so wrapped up, involved in each other, that yes, tomorrow we could say, Oh, we're gonna go get a divorce. But whether we did that or not, we are not gonna be able to separate our lives. <laughs> it's become a, bonded in such a way that even if I were, or Karen were, we were to go down this road and saying, look, we're going to separate, we wouldn't be able to separate. We would still constantly be thinking about the other person. Our lives would still be intricately connected with each other. Our kids would still connect us, our friends and family. There's really no way to, and, and so what he's saying here is, if there's anything great out there, it's not something that sets one person here and one person down here. The only thing that we might hold to as being great, the only thing that might be an example, the the example that God wants us to look at, to take guidance from, is the fact that he came down and became one of us. And if insofar as we're willing to be bonded to people, and to start thinking of things in terms of my life is now sort of can't be pulled away. I'm just sort of bonded. And so far as we're willing, even though we know when we look around us that this is the case, that we're just all super selfish, we're holding each other to standards that we're not even able to hold ourselves to, even though we know what's right, we don't do what's right, we don't know what's right, we think we know what's right, because we're just thinking. given that whole thing, that we know it's instead of denying it, let's just accept it as the truth, and you don't have to if you don't want to, but Jesus says look out, and if it fits the world as you see it, it, when I look out, it seems to fit me, it seems to fit everyone I know, it seems to fit the whole world. Given that, the only thing great that we might say about us is insofar as we're willing to still have these connections with each other, insofar as we're willing to not be alone and to be connected. And if that's the case, how are we connected? He says, whoever is higher, lower. Whoever is lower, higher. He's saying, we think to create this separation, the only reason to raise yourself is to raise yourself above someone else so that because we have this hope of being right and doing right and being this example, and he says that is just there to push a weight down on people and oppress them. But let's do the opposite. If we want to be together, then the only reason for someone to be raised up is if someone's here so that we can be together. And the only reason to lower is if we're here to be together. How do we practically put those into, look, I want to be together with Karen. And I'm just using that as an example. It doesn't have to be marriage or anything like that. It just, whatever, it's easy for us to talk about that. If I want to be with her, and I'm willing to be with her, and she's willing to be with me. When we get in an argument, or get in some sort of disagreement, or look towards some sort of move forward, or how are we going to do this, or approach life, or something, anything like that, the absolute worst thing that I could possibly do is to put myself in the seat of Moses and think that I know the right thing to do, and that I do the right thing, and that I need to be this, and pressure or something her to, that's disastrous. When she does it to me, when I do it to her, when we do it to each other, it's disastrous. But what would be better? Is there any other option? Jesus is saying, if God exists, If God loves us, if God is willing to come down, if God himself is willing to see that there's none righteous, no, not one, but I'm going to come down and become one of them anyways and give them a new option based on forgiveness. What's the other option we have to look at for us both to be able to come down off of a high horse and say, oh, we don't know what's going on. We don't know what to do. We don't know what the right thing is to do, and just say, Jesus, can you just save us? And that's a very practical thing. It's not just a religious thing. I'm telling you, in your mind, when you have a, a problem or, a, or moving in direction, it is very, it is a very real option to come down off our high horse in our mind and stop thinking, I know what the answer is. And to stop thinking that I'm going to do what's right, and instead to just see the what's real, which is we need help, we need saving, we need direction. And then to ask Jesus for that. And if there's anything I have to offer, it's not the example of, I know this is right and this, but I will say this, that to the extent that I've seen people do that, Jesus comes through. And there's really no reason to follow Jesus other than these experiences we have of him coming through for us. And the reason why it's important for us to see him coming through isn't because all these little problems that we have. Most of them are just super petty. And the reason why they're so petty is because, especially amongst people who have known each other for a long time, is because of the weight of us constantly thinking we're right and constantly holding other people to a standard that we're not holding ourselves to. When we've been with someone for a long time, the totality of the weight of that, of us just habitually doing that to each other, causes us to be super sensitized. So we just blow up at things that seem petty. But it's not petty. The one issue might be petty, but it's not. But it's because of the weight of that crushing down on us. But Jesus says, there's another way. Hand it to me. I'll take that. And I will save you. And he will step in and give us an example that we can hold on to where I turn that over to Jesus, and here's how it worked out. It worked out so that we're together. And the reason why that's important isn't for the issue in and of itself, even though a lot of issues are important and do need, but it's because that gives us hope for the ultimate issue of where he's going to take us, of giving us life, life abundantly, life eternally, even though we just keep messing up. And he's going to give it to us on the simply the basis of us recognizing that we need forgiveness for our sins and coming to Jesus in the hopes that we'll find that through him and then following him on that basis. It's a real hope that Jesus gives and he's talking to his disciples, he's talking to the crowd and he's telling them, this is all God has been talking about, preparing us to be able to grab a hold of that hope. And it's a hope for eternity, but it's a hope that we can grab a hold of right now today. And as we grab a hold of it, it will increase our faith in the hope for eternity. Let's pray. Jesus, I just pray that you would give us some reminders this week to grab a hold of that hope of your salvation, that as we encounter change, as we encounter problems, as we encounter just direction, as we just try and figure out how to live our lives, that we would lean into this other hope that you've given us, which is just a hope of you saving us, that we can be honest with who we are, honest with our deficiencies, but cling to a hope that you are not deficient, that, that you do have the power to bring us together to hold us together. Lord, raise us up when we're put down. Lower us when we put ourselves up. We can't do that, but you can, and we thank you for doing that. Help us to hold on to the hope of bonding together. We ask this in your name, Jesus.